Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to another edition of Turn Out a Punk. I'm your host, Damien Abraham, and once again, I am bringing you a conversation with someone who grew up listening to punk, may or may not still be involved in punk, but had their life changed by the genre in a major way. And today on the show, it's a jam-packed one, okay? It's, it's, it's a huge show. Matt Murphy of the band Super Friends of Flashing Lights and of Tunes is on the show. Supergroup. Tunes is on the show, someone I've wanted to have on forever. Someone I've talked to about coming on for literally ever, and I got him on his last day in Toronto. So that's a fun conversation. But also on this show is the brand new debut of the incredible new show, Listen to Records and Never Think About Stopping. I believe that's what it's called. So for you fans, longtime fans, fans of the old Robot of All Robots the gang is back. That's right. My kids have decided to put together another podcast. This time, though, it's about music, so it fits in with Turn It a Punk, so it will be featured in a couple episodes of Turn It a Punk, and then it's going to move on and have its own channel. It's going to become its own real podcast. That's what the kids want to do. They're really inspired to start their own podcast now, so you know what? I figured that would be a great way to start was uh, by having them on the show. And then what better way, because we talk about Dinosaur Jr. on that show to also feature the incredibly awkward, weird, but altogether fun and awesome live hangout that I did with Dinosaur Jr. on my birthday, uh, I guess two weeks ago, week ago. My God, time is is a mess these days for me. But anyway, that is also on today's show. So you have Dinosaur Jr., Matt Murphy, and my kids. What more could you ask for? But more on that stuff in a second. There's not too much more to talk about on that stuff, but I'll get to all that stuff in a second. But first, if you want to get in touch with me, you can send me an email to turnedoutapunkpodcast at gmail.com. You can also find me on various forms of social media at Damien. If you use Facebook, there is a Facebook page run by my brother and show producer, Tristan Abraham. Tristan, I love you so much, buddy. Uh, who, who works hard, you know, butts his little butt, uh, unpaid, just to to go out there and and make some of these great guests come out on the show and and answer emails and do all that kind of stuff. So hit him up on that Facebook page. There's also a Tumblr page at Turned Out a Punk is the Instagram page. There's just Turned Out a Punk everywhere. So go out there and find us. We're out there. Communicate with us. Send us information. You know, be in touch. Just be in touch. Uh, speaking of being in touch, speaking of uh, being incredibly touching to this podcast, the fine folks at Vans have come aboard a couple years ago now as a sponsor of this thing, and they let me book whoever want to book. 
let me do whatever I want to do. And they just supported me. They just make sure that I'm not doing this thing out of pocket. And uh, for that, I love them. So thank you very much, Vans, for the continued support of Turned Out of Punk. Because, uh, yeah, it's been it's, it's been a lot of fun, you know? Like, this is the show that I've always wanted to have. You know, I've worked in music media for a few years, you know, as, as some of you know. Uh, and very few places give you this kind of freedom. So that's why I love doing this show each and every week. For each and every one of you. There's also Turn Out of Punk Footnotes done by myself and Chris O'Toole, and also Buddha Blaze and myself doing Oil and Flowers. So all those podcasts are part of the Turned Out of Punk family. And the new one, the new one. Listen to records and never think about stopping. I believe that's what Holden calls it. You'll hear it in the name of the show, or sorry, in the body of the show coming up. But first, on to today's episode. Today on the show, we have my friend Matt Murphy. Matt is someone I've known for a long time, like as a fan for a really long time, but personally for a pretty long time now. He, I met him when I think he was working on the Strombo show way back when, when Fucked Up played there, but I had been a fan for longer than that. And so I wanted to have him on the show to kind of break down my beloved, my cherished Halifax 90s indie rock alternative scene, you know, and, and the punk scene that begat it. So it's a fun conversation. And he was leaving. He was going away. He's moved to England. So uh, congratulations, Matt, to you and the, and the fam moving away. Have, have a great time overseas there in the UK. Totally unintentional rhyme. Uh, and then also, yeah, as I said, the kids... My kids were like, let's start doing a podcast where we buy records, we listen to records, we pick records from your collection, and then we talk about them. And so this is the first episode, you know, we're just getting our, our podcast legs, as it were. Uh, we're trying to figure out some audio stuff. You'll hear there's some uh, some issues with uh, microphones being handled by young hands, but, you know, it's, it's at a minimum. You'll enjoy that podcast. And then finally, Jay, Murph, and Lou... Stop by for my birthday. Uh, it was just before they played a show at the Opera House. Huge thank you to Leslie for the Tower of Donuts cake that I got. Huge shout out to Brian. Uh, I love you, buddy. Uh, Brian Schwartz, my manager, Dino's manager, making this happen. And uh, yeah, to to my friends in Dino. Oh, and 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 everyone on the Dino crew. Noel for doing sound for me. Not this sound that you're gonna hear. This is like a live bootleg kind of quality, but that's. That's the way I like it here. It sounds pretty cool. Um, and, uh, yeah, thank you to the good buds in Dino. Uh, way more fun to hang out with off microphone, you know? <laughs> it's really an awkward hang when you get that in public or you know, on a stage. But uh, I appreciate them for humoring me and giving me the opportunity to ask them some questions that they know uh, that I love to ask, which are nerdy ones. So that is at the end of the show. So what a show. Like, kind of three shows rolled into one. Uh, nothing drags too long. Everything's kind of short. You know, it, it bumps. It bumps. But I'm not going to blather on anymore. Um, you're going to have to sit back, relax, and enjoy not one, not two, but three amazing podcasts. Matt Murphy on Turned Out a Punk first. Getting in the groove by, I can't remember. I'll come to Okay. Me. All right. Well, Matt. Getting in the groove. Matt, this has been, uh, it's been awesome to come to your studio. I never knew this was your space. Nice, right? Yeah, it's very, very nice. Yeah. And it's, I also feel honored 
that you're wasting your last day in your adoptive home of Toronto <laughs> with me right now. Well, it's uh, it's a great way to spend my last day, frankly. Yeah. Well, I, I can't <laughs> I can't say that uh, you know if someone asked me to do a podcast, I'd, I'd be suffering through that when I could be enjoying like my last <laughs> female bacon on a bun sandwich right. and all this kind of stuff. But you know, it's it's. An honor to have you on the Thank show, you. finally. It's an honor to be on. Well, Thank we've you. been talking about this for years. Mm-hmm. I've talked to you about this since I started this podcast, because I've known you for, well, I've known you as a fan of your music for a lot longer, but I've known you personally since you were at the CBC. Yeah. Yeah. So. Long time. I remember when uh, we, uh, you interviewed uh, the Super Friends in Halifax. I, for The time. Wedge? For The on Wedge. The, on The Reunion, though. Yeah, on The Reunion. Yeah. yeah. And, then, energy. and then also, I... Uh, I um I'm try- I also auditioned to be the host of Daily Vice. I didn't. I wasn't there at that you time. Were. I was think it, you I, were. I don't know. I, I came in later, and it I, was in I the feel other like office. I hadn't done the uh, all the auditions. Well, I wasn't like I wasn't even part of that. I wasn't even like an audition. I was like just like a, a live read. But we did it in that oh. temporary space where okay. the sports thing was. Yeah, and stuff. So I believe that. I just didn't know what was going on when I first joined, <sighs> and it was like I was like, well, I guess people are coming in and going to be the host of the show I, I okay all these tests yeah. there was one on the Daily Vice uh, if you went to the website for a long time if you went to the very first video it was it was someone's audition it somehow got posted and I was like oh this poor woman it's like her, just her audition like, so bad. I uh yeah it's definitely a, it's a it, it's it's amazing now that I have my show finished there. I can still safely say that I don't even know what's going on because yeah. I'm still waiting for my release date. Yeah, I it was a blur. So I was there for three years, and it, it's been a, a whirlwind. It's been a whirlwind. Yeah, but very fun. But, but I'm now, out on the other side. You're on the other side now. Yeah. This is a transition, yeah. but we're going to get to that. Yeah. But I got to start this off the way they all start off with, which is Matt. How'd you get into punk? Do you remember the first time you ever came across the genre? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, it would be through my brother Luke, um, and it was, and his friends. So they, I th- though I was thinking about that, and I think it was probably um, Devo. If if I may put that in that category, of punk. absolutely no, that comes uh, up time and time again. And um, we, definitely, uh, we are are we not men? That song yeah. and and that album and how confusing it was to mm-hmm. me and my brother and his friends were so into it and I was like I have to find my way to, into this uh, music and of course I just listened to it and listened to it got into super into it that and the B-52s and then and that would be probably like 78, 79 How do you think they were yeah. finding out about this stuff? Was there like rock radio in, in um, around you guys or like was it magazines you think? Yeah or? magazines that's a good question Magazines, I think. Okay. There was also a lot of people at the time, and we'll talk about this later, but in Halifax, Nova Scotia, there were a lot, at that time, there were a lot of people going overseas for the summer, okay. like over to London, okay. and they would come back. Okay. And it's kind of like when Luke did that, that was a huge moment yeah, for me. <laughs> yeah. But like, so I feel like there was some of that as well. In other words, the record stores did carry some stuff. They would carry some punk. Like, what was the record stores back then? So... Was it Zap? Um, I was going to uh, A and A Records and Tapes, uh, which was a tra- chain, right? Which is a chain. Yeah, and there was one downtown, and I think we would 
we got dressed up once as punks and my brother, like, you know, I was very young, right? Yeah. So it, it was very much just dress up and, uh, but we were going to go to the Bears Lake Mall okay. to check out what records they had there. And I was like, oh shit, you know, and Luke was really worried about me because he thought, you know, we might get you know, bullied or someone would try and fight us or something like that. I was like, oh my God, this is so crazy that we're going to go to this mall. So we went there and we were like looking through the records. It was fine, but we did get a lot of stares. You know, we're dressed in safety pins. Yeah. And, you know, it was very much the British <laughs> British punk uh, aesthetic. And, uh, but yeah, and then, you know, and record stores then, I mean, that's the funny thing is that I would go, I wouldn't know that the Sex Pistols only had one album. I would think, mm -hmm. you know, I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. No one, like, there were no experts and there were no, I wasn't reading about it. So every time I would go to the record store, I would look to see if they had any new records. <laughs> like, waiting for the next release. Like, huh, okay, I've run out of The Clash. I did, the, did that. I'm going to go look through the Pistols and see if they've got any new upcoming records. I can't wait to do the new one. Yeah. The, we're still waiting for that proper follow-up. Yeah. Actually, did you ever get uh, um, uh, The Great Rock and Roll Swindle? Yeah, I it was did. such a disappointing record. It was record. so terrible. When you buy it's it so as a terrible. kid. It looks very it promising. Awesome. Yeah. Very promising. You're like, so, oh, it's this proper follow-up. This is very such exciting. Such garbage. Yeah. I have, I, ha I don't know if I have it on me. I had the single Friggin' in the Riggin'. Yeah. And yeah. what was it on the other side? Uh, is anyways, it it's, my way on the other side? Oh, maybe I do have that here. I, think I just it, brought my 45. I know. We, I brought I saw some that. of them anyways. You brought your stack. So, so that would they, So would these... They would have these at A&M? Not these 45s, no. Was they, this where your brother brought back from England? Yeah, a lot of that. And then in the early 80s, they would be, be stacked at Talking Wax and places like that. Okay. Like cool record stores like that. So were Talking Wax like... Talking uh, Wax would have them and... Um, or uh, Old Dan's Record Might, where okay. Jay Ferguson used to work. Okay. Did you know that? I've, I remember, uh, I think when Chris was on the show, he talked about Jay working at a record yeah, store. Yeah, Old Dan's was, uh, was a pretty great record store, and... You know, and that, and Jay worked there since he was like twelve or thirteen. <laughs> so we'd, I'd go after school and hang out with him, and he'd be playing, you know, stuff. And he got, you know, he knew his music. Yeah. Stuff, but he'd be really into Nick Lowe and Rock Pile and all this sort of stuff. Yeah, it's funny because he's he like, shit. he's, you know, he's like a music aficionado in a way that you can tell like that taste would be only groomed from working in a record store. There it is. Oh, there it is. Something else. Oh, I think on the twelve inch though, it's. Friggin' in the riggin' with uh, my way. Is that my way on the other side? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Some, oh, it's, oh, no, it's something, something else. else. Yeah. I mean, oh, this uh, is good. The something else is yeah, great. Yeah, there's like a couple tracks on that that yeah. are all right. Yeah. You know, but... Uh, the, but yeah, the swindles is the fucking worst. It sucks. So where did you kind of go as far as like, you know, you're hearing all this stuff, especially the British stuff at the yeah. time. What Were you already a fan of like rock music in general? Yeah, like... My, you know, it was eight tracks and stuff my brother and sister were listening to, um, like Foreigner, Foreign, you know, yeah. Hot Blooded. I think <laughs> they gave me that 45 when I was young, like, and that was my favorite. And uh, my dad went to Miami for a business trip and came back with Steve Miller's eight track, uh, Jackson 5 anthology, Stevie Wonder, Greatest Hits. So great. Yeah. Good, yeah, good stuff. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, I was like, Beatles, obviously. So super into rock and super into radio, um, and then, but then yeah, like once my brother started bringing in this new stuff, it was pretty exciting. What were you? Go, would you go to live concerts? Like who would be coming to town, or were there like local bands? Um, 
so the, still at this young age, um, the the first concert I went to was a punk rock show. Really? Yeah, it was very fucking exciting. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. And it was Greg Clark's club. Greg Clark, who's a big music independent music empresario in Halifax, if I can use that. Yeah. Like, there would be no scene without Greg Clark. Okay. And, like, for real. He's and that guy. He's that guy. And he not only had that, but he had a, a place called, um, uh, what was the video place, the video game place called... Um, like an arcade? Fuck. Yeah, an arcade, and I'm sorry, I'm drawing... Oh, Backstreet's Amusements. How old was he? Like, in, like a... He's not that much older than me. He's probably... Oh, he's probably 56 or 57. Wow, and how did he get the money to kind of open all these spots? I don't know. Yeah. He, I mean, they didn't do that well. Yeah, they were always still... closing. <laughs> but, like, to quick quick rundown of Greg Clark, like, he had this Backstreet's amusement place where you, one side was video games and then the other side was a head shop where you could buy pins and, and pipes and that kind of stuff. And that's what... My kind that of was like That was actually, like, <laughs> if you talk to other people who have a punk history and how like that is like central to their story is Hank, like Dave Marsh and all those guys. Okay. And, um, and I would go there too, but, and I was too young to play video games. You had to be 14 <laughs> and I looked 10 and I was 13 and he's like, Hey Matt, you have to kind of stop. They changed the law. You can't come in anymore. And I was like, Oh man, that was the worst. <laughs> or it was the best thing that happened to me. I That's don't know. insane that they have that law. Yeah. We had to be 14. To play video games. Um, Is it just like for arcades or just video arcade, games in general? Arc, video arcade. Okay. I think they had that in <laughs> Toronto. I think they had like something here, like an anti-truancy yeah. kind of Yeah. And ordinance. I mean, yeah. And I would go there all the time. But anyways, <laughs> at the, you know, when I was 13 or whatever, Luke got me into this Grafton Street Cafe, which yeah. was this cool alternative club. And it was uh, no alcohol. Yeah. And it was just like a room up on Grafton Street. And... And Nobody's Heroes were playing, and that was like the the top punk band in Halifax. They did mostly covers. Mm-hmm. Um, Stiff Little Fingers, obviously, is where they got their name. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they did, you know, The Clash, Generation X, Pistols. They did all the stuff I had been listening to, but live, and it was so amazing. How much older than you were these guys? Uh, probably five years older. Okay. Yeah, so they're like 18, 17, 18, 19. So was your brother friends with those guys? Yeah. Or? Okay. So he had a band, too, called Red Leader. Red Which was more like mod, like I think a little bit more mod. Um, so where's the British influence? I guess is all coming from people going overseas and coming back. I think back? so. Is that I the... mean, I think that's that's how I've always explained it. Yeah. Um, because him and his friends and everyone I know of that generation, uh, like Dave Marsh too, yeah. like who played with me in the Super Friends as the drummer, who's a, a bit older. They all went to London. That was the thing that you did. It was like, you know, it was where all the excitement was happening, right? Yeah. All the punk scene and people want to be part of that thing. And I think it's also, maybe there's a longer history there between Halifax and London. I don't know. Well, it's probably like, yeah, British, like one generation removed expats that yeah. are like, let's send our kids over to maybe I mean, see what it looks like. British music was what was really cool. Yeah, no, I'm sure the right? kids wanted to do and it. And it's an art school town, yeah, and yeah. there's a lot of colleges. So people are kind of, we're even though it's like pretty remote, they're fairly aware of what's going on. Oh, so absolutely. there was a desire to be part of something bigger. But they would go, and then they'd come back. And I remember when my brother came back um, from his trip, and it was the best day. <laughs> he came, I think he was wearing like red plastic pants when he came home, and he... <laughs> Opens his suitcase, pulls out bondage pants and zipper shirts, and 
you know, Bristol Creepers, and then, like, and then he pulls out all these 45s and he just starts playing them on the stereo at 10, like, just maximum volume. We had massive speakers, like, they, they, they look, they're, you know, like, like a bass amp yeah, size. Yeah. And, <laughs> and plasmatic. I mean, I'd never seen, uh, like, a, uh, a 45 with, a, like, a picture on it before. Well, I don't think you, yeah. Like, I had only seen, like, a poly... Oh, really? Poly, oh, just I'd only seen, like, a generic sleeve, yeah. paper sleeve before. And then he starts pulling out all these beautiful, colorful 45 covers. And then he, one was the Plasmatics. With uh, Wendy Butcher Williams. Baby. Yeah. And then he, oh, he pulled it out, and it was, like, this swirl, pink-white swirl. It was, like, my mind was blown. And then it plays, <laughs> and there's a chainsaw on it. And it's... <laughs> Uh, it was the best. That's awesome. Yeah. So how how old were you when he came back from England? I, think I was twelve or thirteen. You're twelve. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So was he was he like, I guess was he punk aware before this trip happened? Like, were yeah. you aware of this? This is already yeah. They new? had already been listening to like the uh, new wavy kind of stuff. the new wavy stuff. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, pistols would have been on the radar and all that. Sort was of Saturday stuff. Night Live on your radar too? Because like, uh, yeah, some of those bands yeah. were playing on there. At the oh time. yeah, we Pieces used to watch Saturday Night Live all the time. Yeah, and things like that. It's amazing yeah. how like. You know, and I guess now it, this happens on YouTube, but like how much music discovery you could get from watching late night TV. Yeah, that's true. At different points. Yeah, that's true. I'm not sure. I don't can't remember a specific thing I, I got I got from it, but I'm sure there was. Um, mostly, I mean, most of the stuff is usually like I'm at that age for is a lot, lot of times just the album cover. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Like Elvis, like I was like for instance, I remember going. It must have been around the same age, going to my aunt's house in Montreal and going through records, and it's all like the hippie stuff. And, yeah. But then there was like the Elvis Costello, Miami's True album. I was like, oh, what's this? <laughs> like, this this must be good. This must be interesting. You had a right? cool aunt. Yeah, she's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, great taste. <laughs> yeah. Um, what about your peers at the time? Because this is, sounds like it's all the older kids. What were like kids making of you kind of getting into punk? Well, there was only like a few of us in... At that, you know, in that initial stage, like grade six, grade seven. Well, yeah, you're pretty young getting into it. There were a few of us, like <laughs> yeah. Jay, me, Leah Murphy, mm-hmm. um, I don't want to leave, uh, like Howard, Regan, like all these pals, uh, these kids, were, you know, we were all into it. Yeah. And, and liked it. And, the, but, you know, pist- I remember, like, actually, <laughs> I was super into the pistols. And then my great, my teacher in grade six threw a fit. When he knew that we were listening to the Pistols, and he and he was British, and he was prone to major speeches and rhetoric, yeah, and he like just launched into this tirade of what garbage it was. And do you know that he murdered his girlfriend? Do you know that he killed his girlfriend? And, you know, stabbed wow. her to death. Do you know? You know, like really, like intense. You're like, sir. Actually, though, he didn't play on that first record. Yeah. Like, it's yeah. it's really yeah. you can listen to it without feeling that bad. Yeah. Wow, uh, that's an intense. So were, he must have been aware enough to it, know about what was. I guess it was yeah, in but the in news. the news, you yeah, know, and he's. News. I guess he must have also been following stuff in England. But yeah. he, yeah, he. It's in the news. It was a big so news a, story. It was big news. But in general, yeah, most people were like into grade seven, eight, and nine, like. I was still listening to that kind of music, Europe, English invasion stuff, and like whether it was ska or or uh, Depeche Mode and that kind of stuff. Were there and, other local bands kind of forming around this time, oh, like yeah. reflecting that kind of stuff? Yeah. Oh yeah, tons. What were some of the other bands you were kind of into? Um, well, there was the ways you would see them would be like often at Dal Dalhousie would have uh, parties at the student union. Yeah. 
and they'd have bands on every floor at the sub. And so, yeah, Stagitans was one that was kind of popular. That was more synth-based. Okay. And that was Allison Out hit. And I think... Like minimal synthy kind of vibe? Or yeah. Or, oh, that's and I wonder... If, I don't want to get this wrong. But, I mean, um, yeah, there were bands like that. And um, October Game was another one okay. that's sort of darker uh, stuff. I think Sarah McLaughlin was in that band. Oh, really? Yeah. And I've never heard of that band. Did they October Game, yeah. October Game. Yeah. Do they put out records or like demos? Uh, or they have record. I'm sure okay, they have tapes. recordings. Yeah, mm-hmm. but up in you know, and I don't. I'm not a historian, so no. But dude, this so, is like just stuff so, that you saw, right? But just there that I saw. It's just like yeah, yeah. At that time, like if I'll take you back, like when we have I fr- another podcast yeah. called Turn It Up Punk Footnotes that yeah. will come out where Chris O'Toole, my co-host, and I will sit apart um, on on the phone and yeah. dissect this episode and really get into the nerdy stuff. Oh, okay. So don't worry. Okay, good. We, we I'm have just another sketchy. Episode. I was only a kid, right? So. Yeah, but that's why I think it's also awesome because you're yeah. like, you know, you guys were younger than a lot of the stuff going on, but you're into this stuff, I guess through having an older sibling. That was for me anyways, yeah. yeah. And then, but you know, Jay was just an independent kid who yeah, like, like worked at a record store around the corner from where he lived downtown. So, you know, so, and he was just, his ears were open to tons of different music. Yeah. Like, uh, whereas me, I was very close-minded. Like it had to be British punk, and or it had to be Ramones, and you know, yeah. very, very rules. Like I'm very arbitrary <laughs> rules that I'd be super obstinate about. Yeah, well, you're a kid. Yeah, it's like uh, you, you live by those rules when you're a kid. Yeah, but there were yeah all through that time there were bands re- reflecting all the all that stuff for sure. Um, were there any bands that came to town from like other provinces time, close by or not? I don't. Not that Nobody I remember. Not till later, like yeah. Not till like Greg again. Greg Clark. He would from Grafton Street Cafe that closed down. Then he opened the Flamingo. Okay. And then Flamingo Club, the Flamingo uh, Club Flamingo. Yeah. Cl- Cafe Flamingo, like it, Pub Flamingo. <laughs> like it, it moved <laughs> it all morphed. around, and it was like an all ages venue. And that's when we. That was when we were like seventeen, eighteen, and we started to play our own music. Okay. And be going there and seeing bands come in from out of town, um, from Montreal and that stuff. Saw the Nils and saw the Gruesomes and saw all that sort of stuff. But that, by the, I'm a bit older then. Was but it, before that, not too much. What happened to your brother's band? Did they record? Or no, the, no. No, they just no. kind of... They didn't do any recordings as far as I know. Yeah, this They little. must have recorded onto like a tape cassette yeah. machine. Yeah. Um, but there are other... I know Nobody's Heroes. Yeah, I was you looking that, that up. Link. They, yeah, there are some stuff. They had some originals. So I was it's like, awesome. Oh, yeah, that's good. Um, the bands before, like, there was even an era before, like, my brother, for instance, like, from the art school, like, uh, Vacant Lot was one band. Okay. And then the other one was The Trash Cans with a Z. And as I was thinking about that, as I was thinking about this today, I was thinking, well, I wonder if that's why... I, we added Zed to Super Friends because oh. of Trash Cans had a Zed. Like, anyways, they were, those were two bands that were like the first people credit the first wave, the first punk, first punk bands in Halifax. There's another like Nova Scotia record too, like a new wave record that's like limited to a thousand. It oh, says yeah. on the back, and it's like got an orange sleeve. Mm. I'm trying to remember what year it's from, but, but anyway, realists or no? It's like it's like new wavy kind of. But anyway, I'll, okay. I'll I'll tell you later. I'll fix this in footnotes. Okay, good. Um, but yeah, the guy. I mean, my brother would host have these parties too, yeah. like at our house, and uh, where bands would all different bands would be playing in different rooms, oh. and it was <laughs> as a kid. And my parents would leave, and they put me in charge of like make sure no one goes into our room and drinks the alcohol. 
because they would take all the alcohol and put it in their bedroom. And I had to go police, all which was really punks. just an excuse to go and see what's going on. Yeah. But I did. I had to like catch people like drinking from the drinking whiskey in my parents' room. But there were bands like it was the best. Like nobody's heroes played that party. Uh, Agro, which was a really cool band. Agro. Yeah, Agro was a cool. They were like more like post punk. Like fo- they were actually two British brothers. Okay. Edwin and Gregor, and they uh, and their dad was an artist, um, and they um, had moved over from the UK, and they were like, I think they were like, they, you know, they were they were they stood out. Yeah. You know, and, and in a very like norm culture of of Halifax in the 70s Um, and they but they had this band called Agro and I think the idea was it was a collective like the idea maybe was that anyone could play or whatever okay they were very you know a bit ahead of their time yeah at least Uh, what band do they kind of sound like like Gang of Four I don't know I guess so yeah like maybe um, what's the song yeah maybe like a bit of that uh I feel like a beetle on his back, you know that kind yeah, of yeah, that yeah. kind of gang of four shit, and then and maybe wire. Okay, like I'm, I think, Sounds but again, awesome. it was it was chaotic. It was yeah. noise. It was noise. So were these bands like like recording, or is are you just see them live? And that's I don't, kind of like I didn't know. Like I wouldn't know how to get the record, like recordings of them. It yeah. wasn't like that. It wasn't that kind of thing. It was a live. Were there like hardcore bands starting yet? Because there eventually is a hardcore scene. Obviously, that's not your taste, but Suburban Heroes or was it was a band Suburban Rebels? Yeah, okay. That, that that's I would see, I would know, I'd be aware of them, but I wasn't me. I wasn't yeah. into that. And when I did, and I when I met Chris Murphy in '86, and we were working at the hospital together, like, yeah. he was really into that stuff, that was and I scene. thought it was hilarious. <laughs> Like, so the random chords, you know, just, like, seem so random and s- silly. But the only band of that ilk that I could get behind was The Descendants, because they had yeah. a bit more of that melodic sense. I think The Descendants, it. like, really missed an opportunity in not going to Halifax, because they were probably, like, the fucking Beatles from the sounds of it. Like, everyone kind of, like, loved oh, yeah. them. Yeah, it was the best. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So where did you go as far as playing music? When did you start? Like your brother's playing. When did you start playing? Uh, like I started uh, playing in high school, so grade 12. We had a band. We just did covers. It was cool. It was more like starting to be more like American Root. Like not um, American Roots. American Roots movement, though, maybe. Like Green on Red were big things. Yep. And yep. Long, long, lone rider, long Riders. Long Riders, yeah, with and, a Y. Yeah. And birds and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So we were really getting deep into that stuff. So we would play covers of that stuff. Where? What was uh, the first band called? Uh, this is such a shitty name. It's I don't I don't even know. Was it Ink Stains? <laughs> we actually had, a bad name. for a while we had a a gazoo player. <laughs> And then we had. Did, to, that, did they get equal kind of the drink tickets? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like. And then we that band trans had a few lineup changes, but at, in essence, it stayed the same, and it, we became the El Caminos. Okay, which was a cooler name. Yeah, that's a much cooler name. And but the setless was sort of the same, and that's and I had there was a guy who played guitar who was the main guitarist, and I was like when I started, I just had an acoustic with a pickup on it and okay. strumming my ass off. Yeah. 
and he would play lead, and that's how I kind of learned how to play guitars. Watching Rod Weir, okay, still he's got a very good feel. Watching him play, um, and then the first, and then I played drums for Deluxe Boys with Jay Ferguson um, and um, John Gould, who's another guy. And um, what was the Stephen, And Stephen Cook was uh, who writes in Halifax. He was. The, Bass player. Okay. What was, the, what was the El Camino's kind of sound? Uh, we did, we did covers of the Searchers and okay. like, like select hits. Henry Sanglang was the singer. Were you writing stuff originals or no? No, not at that point. No, I was starting to write on my on the side. Yeah. Um, the first real band were. I'm trying to now. I'm trying to think how it all went. Damn. I guess I. I guess I. I don't remember how how I got. <laughs> so El Camino's. <laughs> I came. I basically Chris always says I went away to university. I went to McGill for mm-hmm. a few years, and when I came back, I could play guitar really well. <laughs> and so that's so in the night I started to play with other bands like Leonard Conan, okay. which had a more of a punk vibe. Did you play with bands in in Montreal? When you were at McGill? I had one meeting to play <laughs> in a band. In Montreal, we met at a bar. We met at the, you know, whatever it's called, Beef Tech or whatever. Yeah. And I think the woman who was, you know, putting the band together, her boyfriend was in um, Boot Sauce. Okay. Yes. It was a very big deal at the time. <laughs> and I was like, Massive. whoa, this is crazy. <laughs> Superstars. And we were gonna, and we had, we were gonna learn the Pixies, you know, yeah. Uh, uh, Wait, and what's it? What's the song? Waiting for my man, or whatever. Uh, oh, uh, here comes your here, man. Here comes your man. Yeah. So I learned it as best I could, and but we never, never practiced. never got together. <laughs> it was before cell phones and shit. Like it was hard. It was hard. It's like you had to make a time to meet. It was exciting though. It was yeah. a fun thing. It was, you know, put 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 it on my mind. Yeah. But, yeah. But <laughs> so were you going to shows in Montreal too? Oh yeah. Yeah, and at that time I was super into garage rock, so. Okay. Oh, the, the, like, so yeah. the gruesomes and like. Yeah, liars. liars. Uh, uh, what are they called? The kings. What are they called? Uh, Deja Voodoo? Uh, no, did not see them. Oh, what is the band called? The Chesterfield Kings? Chesterfield Kings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was, that was great. And I guess uh, also was. Um, now I'm like, you know, it starts yeah. with a C too. I'm pretty sure. It'll come back to me, but Doesn't like, matter. where was that get? Where are you getting into that stuff from? Is it from seeing the Grusels when That's they a, came through? Or um, yeah, partly, and I think it's also, I think the Nuggets compilations yeah. that were coming out or like reissued or whatever it was, yeah, and just got really into that. And the Pebbles, I think, were coming yeah. around then too, right? Yeah, it's back to the grave. Was that? Oh yeah, those that series yeah. is amazing yeah. too. It's it's funny how like that kind of like genre of discovering previously unknown garage rock yeah. would yield so many garage rock revivals. Yeah. And like eventually it's like the white stripes. Yeah. Where yeah. it leads to. Exactly. And it's it's like amazing how like that's just from like nerds yeah. mining old records. I think also it's a good becoming a guitar player and wanting to play lead, yeah. I was also drawn to I didn't want to learn Clapton, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But I would learn the Yardbirds. Yeah. And so I was really into Yardbirds, and of course Yardbirds were a huge influence on all that garage rock. It's funny too, the Gruesomes are like a band that, 
you know, I think it's hard to appreciate, but like at a time felt like they were going to like be a big thing. Yeah. You know, like yeah. it was like, oh, this is going to be the, the big rock band. Yeah, well, they had like, um, a, you know, they had a whole thing. Vibe. They had a vibe. Yeah. And def- they were clearly defined. And- yeah. A vibe at a time where having a vibe in Canadian music was like the last thing anyone had. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. it's like, you know, and I love those bands too, but like, they didn't really have shticks. No. No, no, no. It was a bit earnest, I yeah, guess. Yeah, pretty earnest. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know why I got into all that garage rock. I guess it's just that, like, learning to play music, and that's what my all my friends were listening to. Yeah, in Montreal, I guess it's happening, yeah. too, right? Yeah, it's happening, too. Yeah. And so, so you kind of, after that, you go back to Halifax. Had that scene changed? Like, was it changing? Because, like, obviously the scene that, you know, Super Friends are a part of, yeah. it, it's like a pretty vibrant scene or at least mm-hmm. feel, felt that way looking at it as a kid from Toronto but yeah. like it felt like there was just like a lot of stuff happening when did that begin to feel or did it ever feel that way I think I think it I think it was sort of like it always had been there would be tons of people getting together to make music mm-hmm. and there seemed, maybe there was a bit more opportunities to record than there had been before like I don't know if they had been the same opportunities. There were new studios, like small places, like Terry Pulliam's place, mm-hmm. and th- that people could do that and they could work towards. But, um, I mean, honestly, like, Sloan's uh, success kind of changed the changed everything for the way people thought or what they thought was possible with music, whereas before it was like the Killer Clams, which was like a popular party band, who did kind of cool, cool selections yeah. of covers of ska and 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 rock? Um, if they they, I think they went to Montreal. They okay. like toured to Montreal. It's like, whoa, <laughs> they made it. That wow, that's if I could do that, that would be the best. And well, Jellyfish Babies, yeah, and them too. They yeah. had like a little bit of, but I guess it's not major success like Sloan and. But the, yeah, I maybe no, but they were like. But in locally, they were like so huge, huge yeah. in like the mid '80s. Like that was like a huge band. I like those records. These are great. They hold up. Yeah. And and it's like, you know. But I guess it's one of those things where, you know, you hear about Seattle all the time. People make such a big deal about, oh, it was so cut off. Like no one came, and that's why we made yeah. our music. But it's like people did go to Seattle. People didn't really go to no. Halifax. I always think of like when I think about like what you would go and see. Uh, I think of Jay going to see Bo Diddley and wanting me yeah. to go, but I didn't go. I stupidly uh, didn't go. But I remember him coming back and going, Bo Diddley, but because he went to old, he was worked at Old Dan's, and yeah. the guys there were smart. Yeah. You know, they were like, Jay, yeah, this is going to be great. So he went, I can't remember who he went with, he saw it and he played the Bo Diddley for 26 minutes. Like wow. that was like a one long set. He said it was crazy. It was the best show he's ever seen. <laughs> so, at least at the time. And so, he, you know, so there, that, but that was probably a huge influence on Jay, right? Because yeah. like, there wasn't that much else coming through. And me, like, what, what did I do? I snuck into Zappa. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, like, I think you were asking me earlier about what other people were listening to, like, grade seven, eight, grade nine. Like, there were a handful of us listening to, like, that, this kind of music. And everyone else was, like, listening to Neil Young or listening to, like, just Norm shit and like Neil Young is I love now but at the time I was like this is so boring and so shitty 
and I can't, I don't like it. I just remember being, I remember even at a party, like just how isolated, everyone was gathered around the TV to watch, they had like, someone had a tape of live Rust or whatever, yeah. Rust Never Sleeps or whatever yeah. the video is. And I just like sat off and just like dejected, like I'm just not, I can't, I can't fit in here. Like I just cannot get in. And, uh, you know, it's just one of those things. It was a real, that was to me like the real marker was Neil Young. Yeah. Even though now I think Neil Young's great. No, absolutely. Yeah, and I think but, like, but it's, it's one of those things like, you know, like for me it was the hip. Yeah. You know, like now I appreciate the hip and realize that they're, you know, you know, Gord, especially one of my favorite people I've gotten to meet in music. But at the time, it, it was so pervasive and just yeah. so dominating. And if you weren't a hundred percent on board, like you just were, like you said, isolated from what was going on. But now, as an you know, with some distance from it, I'm like, oh, I can appreciate this for what it is, and I like this now. With, yeah. Same with Neil Young. Yeah. I mean, in Halifax, is a very normal town. Otherwise, yeah. like I. I was, you know, I was just like, I think punk, like for me, like was, I don't know what it was. It was my brother was super into it. I love the energy, the, yeah. the music. I love that. I love, I loved all that. And the, the anger was exciting. And, but the, the, the clothes were fun too. And yeah. the pins and, and what, you know, I, you'd walk downtown and people would stare at you like a f freak, <laughs> you know, there was no one dressed. It was very norm. It still is like that. Yeah. It was very much a uniform. And, uh, so you know, I remember once I actually bought like grade eight or nine. Like I came in and wearing rugby pants. Do you remember what rugby pants were? Well, they're like rugby shorts, okay. but they're long. Okay. They're called rugby pants. Okay. And everyone was wearing rugby pants. I remember the, some of the girls in my class were like, "Oh no, not you too, Matt." And I was like, "Oh shit, I just want to fit in." <laughs> you know, but it's like it's funny. Yeah, when you go to Halifax. It is like it's it's a city, but it's also like it's a smaller city, mm -hmm. and you realize like, but it's amazing how much stuff came out of that city, population yeah. wise, like how many bands like, and I guess that speaks to why you guys had the sound you had. Like it's not like you guys sound the same, but yeah. like it's such a unique to that city kind of sound. But it must come from <clears throat> that isolation mixed with the smattering of punk records kind of trickling through. Yeah. I think it's just like when you have a small place and those, you do have like uh, occasional visitors. Yeah. Those visitors have a huge impact on, and you, I think it, it, instead of being like a, I think of it as like, it, if a, if you picture a, a gra like a line and it sort of just blips yeah. occasionally, it's a much more interesting image than one that's just constantly like a sine yeah. wave, right? Where, things are always coming in and everyone's listening to the same stuff and you know i don't know or like it just becomes a bit more homogenized mm -hmm. um and and in halifax definitely there was just like just some weird idiosyncratic things that became um important so yeah for sure who do you think was that was it sloan then that first band that had that kind of like that was like going for that aggressive kind of pop Sound like well, I mean, that would become the band before that Chris and I were in before uh, before Sloan uh, happened was Blackpool, and that was kind of like uh, that was pretty. That was the sound. That was like a pop sound. Yeah, um, definitely more in that American roots side of things. Um, 
and it was very accomplished songwriting and, and it was melodic and we we all we were in at different times but we learned a lot playing with the, that band yeah and um and that was a pop thing. Did yeah. that band record? Yeah, there's a bunch of recordings. It's great. That's it's the stuff. Some really good that, stuff. How's that stuff never come out? I don't know actually, because there's yeah, there's some, some some songs like I I was wanting to hear one of them that um, I wasn't ever on, but a song called "Don't Change." It's just a really good song, and and the lyrics are good and yeah. yeah. So what was the what, so uh, sorry I cut you off before to talk about Montreal, but you were going back to your transition, so you come yeah. back to Halifax. What was your first band? Um, before. So I come back, and I guess I'm playing, uh, I guess it might be Leonard Conan. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Andy McDaniels is a great songwriter. Yeah. And uh, we recorded something for, uh, like, a compilation. Okay. Uh, one of the Halifax compilations. and. What comp is that? Uh, it's not the, um, the he, light? Here now? No, it's like, oh, my God. It's I'm, like I'm just imagining Stephen Cook listening to me talk. <laughs> He's gonna be like, uh, "It's it's not the like out of the fog good. comp." No, that's yeah, that's eighties. That's the eighties. That's a legendary yeah. comp. Yeah. Uh, let me just look it up. Were um, you in any of those bands that were on that comp? That still looks. No, so. that was that was before me. Yeah. Yeah. That's still like super high on my want list. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I can't remember. Kimber was called. So what was uh, what, um, what was Leonard uh, Conan? There was, yeah, I don't know what his influence was, but it was very it was a distorted guitar. It's like Lemonheads. Okay. Okay. I think it was like Lemonheads. Mm -hmm. um, punk. Yeah. Melodic, cool lyrics. Uh, you know, good pace. I guess that's the, what defines kind of that scene is that quest for melody. Mm -hmm. That like everyone kind of. Is, you know, seems to be on like the right the way through, like ever like the Descendants or Seven Seconds being the more popular of yeah. even the hardcore bands. Yeah, like no one's going to like, you know, Discharge necessarily or no. It's like everything's kind of rooted in that. Yeah, it's true. Uh, I mean, at least in my scene. Yeah, uh, but I'm. But, but even that, with Chris, like when he talks about it, like being Seven Seconds and yeah. Descendants over other stuff at the time. Like I was like one time like, oh, did you like Youth of Days? Like, no, I wasn't in that militant right. stuff. But there were other bands that were. Yeah. Like there were other groups that didn't... Tough Justice? That didn't make it or didn't get a, a lot of attention, but there were, you know, all, all sorts of crazy bands. Yeah. Making weird music. Um, but, yeah, I guess that, I don't know why that melody is. I mean, I'm... But I, I, as we're talking, I was thinking too about just that Celtic background because at the same time there's this big Celtic music explosion yeah unfortunately when I joined Blackpool I can play fiddle <laughs> so I was playing with Blackpool when they started to become more Celtic <laughs> uh, it's not like the most Celtic but, but it's there a, but it's there like would you say like on the Dropkick Murphys <laughs> scale no no like... it would be it would be like a Four to five. Okay, okay. Maybe Water Boys would okay, be yeah, the, the yeah, most like yeah. flattering. <laughs> yeah, but that's way. like that's true. That does have a Celtic kind of yeah tinge to it too. Yeah. So with with Blackpool, did was it like playing out yeah. shows? And Lots stuff? of shows. T touring. Yeah. Well, at least around Nova Scotia. Okay. Went to Cape Breton and we played a lot. We recorded. I recorded on one record. And were they coming out as records or just tapes? Or? It's a CD. It's a CD, okay, yeah. Um, and called called Seahorse. Uh, Catherine Stockhausen took the cover image. Oh, wow, okay, yeah. crazy. Um, and 
and yeah, I mean that was a pre-established band. Yeah, it was it was really fun. And then, but then I how I, is this stuff not being reissued? Then it's like it's crazy. I don't know. It's just well, the demand, you know. It's just like it, but you I know, I demand, saw a thread like, the other day. But I, I saw. I mean, I think the EC Mays were celebrating its anniversary, and yeah. we were all there at the first one, basically. Mm. And back then, Blackpool was a big deal. And I think Sloan pay, play, played one of these no cases that they were involved in organizing. Yeah, and uh, which is like not a showcase. Yeah, not a showcase. But like these are the bands that should be the showcased, anti-showcase showcased at the ECMA. It's not this Celtic band. Yeah, but, but these bands. Beef. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and so uh, so yeah. I don't know. Like, what was I going to say about that? I don't know. Uh, just, just that the reunion. Oh, Oh yeah, just that there there had been a thread about the about Blackpool and how it's like. What about that stuff? Like we're gonna hear that again. Yeah. And uh, but definitely that their first couple albums they had a video and like we made videos. They had a video before me and was much east a thing. Was like it was that was yeah, much east co- in the early nineties. Was that a thing at that point yet or no? Uh, I don't know when was that. I'm not sure if it happened until. A little later on, little, until Sloan started going. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Was so was it just like getting airplay on much music? Kind of like the hope with making the video at that point. Yeah, just regular rotation. Yeah, type thing. Yeah. So we're uh, super. How did Super Friends kind of form? That was because Charles and I both played with Al Tuck, I think, in Bluegrass Lawnmower. Okay. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> What's the deal with that band? So that was Altox's band. It was called Bluegrass Lawnmower, and I joined. There was originally there was like a a really good like uh, I guess bluegrass guitar player. Yeah. And I came in, and I was more like I don't know. Learning bluegrass. Guitar. Learning bluegrass, yeah. like a Grateful Dead version of bluegrass. Yeah. And uh, and so we were playing, and then I think he had he was in a band. Oh fuck! I'm just so bad with names. But he was in a band with Greg Timoshenko, okay, uh, called Rhinoplasty, and Drew was in that band too. Oh, I think I've heard of Rhino. And they had a song called uh, Molehill. Molehill is a mountain. Okay. When you're an ant. Okay. I think that was us. A molehill is a mountain. It's good. It's yeah. very catchy. And um, when that band broke up, and I guess Greg moved back to to Toronto, um, I guess they wanted. You know, we just got talking. Hey, we should we should play some songs together so we started writing together just the three of us showing each other what we had written or what we were playing and then we divvied up responsibilities and and asked uh and chris was playing drums for the first part and we did a demo with him Mm -hmm. um when um brendan mcguire was down recording some other bands uh probably jail and then um we and then we booked. Then we booked some time and recorded. Was Jail the first band signed out of any before Sloan, like the sub the sub? No, I think Sloan was. So Sloan got signed first to yeah. the major. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think that's. I think that's the sequence. Okay. Yeah. But it felt like did Jail like have their moment before Sloan? I don't think so. No, okay. No, I don't think so. Okay. I think that was after. Okay. I was concurrent, like yeah. after by months, like yeah. it seemed. But I think that was after. Because there was supposed sure. to be, there was a moment there where they were going to be like the big band too, right? Where it was like, it was going to happen, in right. the, and it did, I guess, but not in the same way. No, and it's funny there hasn't been a rediscovery of them either, really. No, it's um, true. Like you know, especially with the, all the love for '90s stuff now. No, but well, it'll happen. It'll happen. 
now because yeah. this podcast <laughs> yeah, 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 started exactly. right now yeah, yeah. as we kicked it out. Yeah. Where, how did you guys, Super Friends, get going? Well, again, we just like, um, I think, well, Murder, well, Chris had Murder going and he was like, you guys should record a, so- a single for Murder. Yeah. Just do it. I'll do it. You know, I'll rec- we'll do it in my apartment or whatever. I think we recorded at least vocals. I remember singing vocals to uh, to Come Clean in his apartment. Okay. In, in a 57, probably to a four track. <laughs> and and they put that out and it was, you know, it went over pretty good. Yeah. And then, then they were like, well, let's, let's, let's make an album. Let's get you guys making an album. So then that's when we asked Dave Marsh to become... Played drums on okay. the album. Yeah, it's it's awesome that run of singles on Murder. Yeah, it's great. It's like yeah. uh, I should have brought all those. I have all I, those. You have all of them. I think Mo- I've got a lot most of, them. of them. A lot of those. I think I've got most of them too, and stuff like that. But yeah. it's funny how like, you know, even like given where you know, uh, you know, Buck sixty five went. You know, yeah. like that's like that's an early single there too, right? There's just like so many, you know, Thrush Hermit, you guys, Sloan, Hardship Post. So that's one. Yeah, Harsh Post was awesome. Yeah, so those guys were from Newfoundland, cover. and when they moved to town, it was like, oh, this is like, this is a real band. This is actually a real band. <laughs> no, for real. Like really? everyone else was sort of very like hanging together loosely. Yeah, you know, uh, very flippy floppy. But those guys had a very awesome rhythm section, and they were powerful, and the singing was great. The songs were awesome. It was a whole different level. There was like, was there a lot of interconnectedness between like a lot of the like maritime kind of scenes at that time, or not? Yeah, there was some. I think from Moncton, a little bit in Moncton and Fredericton. Yeah. Um, Saint, I mean, Saint John's occasionally would come. Bands from there would come over, but yeah, it wasn't like super tight. Yeah. You know, was Cinnamon Toast insular. Records was Cinnamon Toast was Halifax. Yeah. Was that Halifax? Yeah. Okay, I thought it was somewhere else. No. And stuff. That was a cool label too. Yeah. And put out stuff like it just felt like there was an explosion of attention too that came on that. Did you guys feel that happen? Like it was the next Seattle. That was yeah. That's always been my name of the book. If someone writes a book about that scene, <laughs> yeah. as you call it the next Seattle, yeah, because it was the original next Seattle. Yeah, and uh, there's uh, yeah, no, definitely felt felt. You know, like there was a it, it, excitement, and yeah. people were interested in what was happening, and, and we could tour, we could go play. People wanted to see us, and you know, people would, we, you know, we'd never thought of going to Toronto to play, and suddenly we're there, and people are there watching us. So that was very exciting. But uh, I guess I'm trying to think the, you know, Al Talk has a song. He had a song called "One Day the Warner." Yeah, and it's in the joke. It's sort of like it's about. The way that, as though, like the Warner Brothers came to town. Yeah. And it sort of reflects that. Did, was that it thing. like that? Were there like A&R guys showing up yeah. at shows and yeah, everything yeah. like that? Yeah, yeah, suddenly A&R. And I didn't like, I didn't, like, uh, it's not, I'm not that, I'm not very, uh, I don't like that shit too much. Yeah. So. But were people like getting into it? Like, were, were there like, yeah. and I guess bands that weren't even, you know, because it happens, like you see these bands that aren't even part of the scene now being like oh yeah us too like you know you get the candle boxes of... yeah you have sandbox sandbox yeah. right yeah. like that was like who are these guys <laughs> they're from new glasgow or whatever yeah but they had that one is curious hit, hit, curious yeah one hit song uh and that was bubbles and, from trailer park boys yeah 
I remember we were at ECMAs and we were going to book a supervisor we were going to play and I was talking to Mike Smith. Yeah. And I'm just like this kind of person who just like, I get a little nervous and then I'll say, this the word, the word that'll come out is just the wrong one. Yeah. And I was showing him my, <laughs> my, uh, my Rickenbacker guitar. Yeah. It was in an unusual shape. It's shaped like a bass. Oh. It's an, ele it's an electric guitar. And I said, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a curious design. <laughs> And it's just like, it's just like, it's just, uh, anyways, but those guys, sure. There was also, and Purple Helmets was another band okay. from the, I think maybe down in Yarmouth or, and that was another band that got pumped up a little bit yeah. and, and had some radio play, but I didn't, we didn't know who they were. Like that wasn't yeah. really part of our scene. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of weird how, well, no, it's not weird, but like how, it happens like that for a scene, right? Like if a band takes off, then yeah. it's everyone comes to town, and then all the bands that want to be part of it come yeah. to town. And yeah. It's... Well, people move down there. I remember people moving down. Yeah. Um, one guy from Ottawa moved down. Yeah, people moved to Halifax, which is crazy. <laughs> well, I mean, people are always moving to Halifax yeah, too, yeah. like for university. Like, yeah. That's the other part of the equation, I guess, is there is people from other parts of the country always moving in and out mm -hmm. so that had probably has a big influence on what's happening too so. and there were yeah i guess there were like people in the bands but it seems like there was such a core nucleus of people too yeah that were like i guess not part of that population necessarily like you, you, you know you guys mm -hmm. specifically like you know like you guys live there you know you weren't right. there for school right that's true thing. although drew and charles that's true from yeah. my band were yeah. from toronto so um, but they they both stayed. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess so. You got caught in the wave. Got caught in the wave. Living the dream. Did you guys get a lot of major labels kind of like courting? Some. We had a publishing deal. Yeah. Which was pretty big deal yeah. for us. <laughs> yes. Pretty exciting. Uh, but we didn't ever get... We were just like... We just saw murder through Universal. Yeah. So we got kind of an extra push a little bit. But... No, we never got any, like, American interest or anything like that. So, did you guys tour America, actually? Yeah, we did some. Well, Flashing Lights more, but... Yeah, I was going to say, like... But, but, but Super Friends, I think we played Boston and New York, maybe. I can't even fucking remember. It wasn't significant, whatever we did. We should have. We should not have been going back and forth across Canada as many yeah. times. Like... Is dumb. That's the key in the music industry, though. They want you to do that. It's so stupid. Reason. Our first show was in our first like show outside Halifax. I think was uh, fucking like Edmonton. <laughs> we, we're gonna play like the college music fast, you know, like that college music yeah, thing. Yeah. And it was like we drove <laughs> all the way without playing a show in between, and then we drove all the way back. Was it summer at least, or spring? Yeah, it was summer or something. Okay. But it's so stupid. Yeah, no, so it's like they, they want bands to break up when they do that. Like, they're like, hey, let's put them in a, put them in a little yeah. tube together and set them down the highway <laughs> for days on end with a little sleep and just shitty food and see see if they survive. My God. It's a, it's a soul-crushing life, that Canadian tour sometimes. I'm glad we did it, but we did not have to do it as much as we did. We should not have been doing that. What kind of scene were bands were, or were you guys playing with outside of Halifax when you guys were on the road? Like, where do they kind of... What bands would we be playing with, in other yeah. words? Uh, <laughs> I guess we played with 
Molly's Reach was one band we played with Audi at West. <laughs> okay. And uh, that was one. Uh, I'm trying to remember their song. They had a song, right? I guess so. I don't know. I don't remember. Was it like a song about heroin or something? Maybe. They didn't seem that kind of grungy? No, maybe? No, okay. not that grungy. Okay. Um, super fans would play with... I don't know. We played with uh, Grasshopper, I think. Once. Yes. Uh, Charles Nirvana. Charles Nirvana. <laughs> that might, I, uh, I can't remember the bands we were playing with. We played a lot just with other Murder Records bands. Yeah. We opened for Sloan a billion times. We played with Jail. We tour with the Thrush Hermit. We tour with uh, Zimpano. Mm-hmm. That kind of stuff. So, mm-hmm. yeah. But it's like, it's funny because like they're, it's it's such a unique sound to there at the time. It's not like there was like a lot of bands I imagine on the road, locally that. Oh yeah, I like see. it seems like it's like you're doing it at the time of skate punk and right. And I'm trying to think of some of the other genres that were happening at the same like at the same time. Right. Yeah. Uh, it, it was like indie. Like there was this indie. Yeah, it's true. Indie stuff. You know, that's a lot true. of people were doing, sort of, I don't know what that what it would be. I guess Sebado. Yeah. And pavement style yep. ba- bands too too many to, too many to mention <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah Matt this has been awesome man I didn't get to flashing lights but oh that's fine we're gonna <laughs> I'm not gonna waste your whole last day in Toronto um, but we will do a part two one day in great. England great and you'll have a British accent I'll take you to Carnaby Street yeah. where I bought all my duds that one time <laughs> when I was 14 would you, you you left out the part when you went to England yeah we didn't get there. We switched. I went to the UK for like a, a ten days with my folks and went to Carnaby Street and got all this awesome clothing. I saw tons of things I forgot to tell you. Well, that's what part the day are punk for. died for me. You know? What was that day? It wasn't died. It was just like I realized it was over. It was like when someone we were on Goresbrook Hill, which is in down, South End of Halifax, and then one of the older kids handed gave me a forty five. He said, "Check this out." Punk's dead, and then it was uh, it was Depeche Mode. Just can't get enough, and I was like, oh, okay. So like, this is this is the new the new punk. This is the new punk. <laughs> and then Gre- I think I mentioned Agro. Yeah. I bought records from those. They were selling off all their shit, and I was still buying it. Wow. I was still buying vibrators from like the vibrator the band the vibrators from yeah. them. No, no, mean the vibrators. And they were trying to get me into the cra- into crass and shit. But, wow. Yeah. You didn't buy those crass records. I know. It could have been an anarcho scene. I was close. You could have close. Matt, this has been awesome, buddy. Thank you. Thank you, man. That was so fun. Awesome. Safe travels, dude. Thank you. Thank you, Matt, for coming on the show. And you heard right there, one day we'll do like a, a UK part two, Matt and I. But on to the near future. Now, before I get to... Uh, what's coming up later on in the show. We're going to give you the rundown of the program one more time. Uh, But first, I guess I should get into what's coming up next week on the show. Next week on the show, not one, but two amazing guests, Kevin and Amy from the band The Interrupters on the show. And you want to talk about two people that have equally fascinating but incredibly different journeys to wind up in this band together. It's these two people. Uh, this is a fun one, and and it's it, yeah, it goes all over the place. It's wicked. You're going to enjoy it. That is next week on the show. 
what a what a what a run. You know, like I don't mean to toot my own horn here, but I'm having a, a lot of fun with this podcast thing. And I got my gosh, I got some guests coming up that are are really exciting me. I don't know if they're gonna excite anyone else, but that's what this thing's ultimately about. It's like what excites me and hopefully excites, you know, some of you out there as well. I think they will. I think some of the ones I've got coming up will definitely excite everyone out there as well. Starting next week with the interrupters. It's it's awesome. That is a, a, a great one. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Now I guess we got to get to the rest of the program. This is uh, the uh, – I'll go soften you up first, soften you up for that Dinosaur Jr. one. Here is Listen to Records and Never Think About Stopping with Holden, Dorian, Camden, and myself, followed by Dinosaur Jr. Oh, but that means this is going to be the last time I speak to you. So enjoy the rest of the show. Go out there and make your own culture, and I will see you next week. Thanks for listening. Bye. Action. Hello. Welcome to Listening to Records and Never Thinking of Stopping. Here, I'm your host, Holden. I'm nine. Dorian is our other host. He's six. And we have two co-hosts. What's your name? You don't want to say your name? And beside me is Camden. He... What's your name? You say, you say who you are so people know who you are. He's Dorian. Well, he's going to say his name so people know your voice. I'm Dorian, and I'm six. And I'm Damien, and I am 21. No, 38. No, 21. 38. Don't listen to him. He's a big liar. Okay. <laughs> and Camden's too. Camden's too, but he he he's just here to laugh. And but he drives cars and 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 uh, you know parties like he's in his thirties. Yeah. Right, Cammy. Yeah. Nod. You can't. They can't hear you when you nod. So you got to talk. Use your words. No. You don't want to talk. Okay. He's so, a little shy. He's a little shy. So. Holden, explain to people what your podcast is about. What kind of podcast? Our is it? podcast is about listening to records, and we just talk about them after. All right. So, Dorian, what what record are we going to be listening to today? We we're listening first today. We're actually doing something uh, special. We're actually listening to records that you guys bought, right? Yeah. You guys. This is Dorian's pick. This is Dorian's pick. But normally, you guys want to just go through Daddy's record collection, pick out a record. And then I'll explain the record to you. But this time, these are actually your guys' first records that you've picked out and bought with your own money. Well, my money, but it was your yeah. money. Yeah. I so, paid for it. Yeah, you paid for it. So, Dorian, tell me about your record. What record are we going to be listening to today? Dinosaur Jr. We're going to be listening to Dinosaur Jr. And Dor this is a... Farm. Yeah, we're going to be listening to their comeback record, Farm. No, they, I think this is the record after they did a comeback. What does a comeback mean? Comeback's like your your return record, like the record, the first record you do when you came back from being away for a long time. Mm. I'm trying to remember if this is the comeback record or the, the record after the comeback record. I don't remember. Doesn't matter. We're supposed to talk after. Okay, yeah, we're right. We're, we're going to talk after we hear it. But, Dorian, why did you pick Dinosaur Jr.? What made you decide to buy this record? Because we went to a concert. You've seen Dinosaur Jr. play. That's right. Where did you see Dinosaur Jr. play? At, at uh, the Strombo house. At George's house. Yep. 
And you went on stage. I, I did go up and sing with them, but more than that, you guys got to what? Hang out with the band. Yeah. And would you say that the guys in Dancer Junior are like nice, not nice, kind of in the middle? What would Super you say? Nice. Super nice. What would you say, Dory? You too? Super nice. So, even Jay? The guy with the long silver hair? You thought he was super nice? Mm, they didn't really talk to me. They didn't really talk too much. No, don't worry. It's not just you, buddy. It's all of us. One day you should hear Daddy's podcast with Jay, where he doesn't talk for the whole podcast pretty much. Yeah, Cammy. I know. He didn't, yeah. he didn't talk to me. I know. Okay. So we're going to hear now. No, he talked. He, did he talk, Jay? Did you talk to Jay? No, like he talked. He just said one word. What was the word he said? I forget. You forget? Oh, he said to me, here are, here are waffles. Oh, that's right. They gave you guys all their frozen waffles, right? You know, a lot of people would think, you know, getting waffles from Dinosaur Jr. is just about the coolest thing that could happen. Ever? Yeah. Ever? You know what? Also, I got to tell you guys something. I don't know if I told you guys before. You know what? The first concert that Daddy ever went to by himself with Uncle Tristan? Your uncle, Tristan? What was it? Dinosaur Jr.? Dinosaur Jr. when they played Massey Hall in That's Toronto. That's pretty obvious. We're talking about Di Dinosaur Jr. and why would you switch the thing? Well, okay. Yeah, it's a little obvious, but isn't it cool? Yeah. It's, uh, you guys didn't, do you guys know that before this? No. Yeah. No, you didn't. Did you know that? No. You did tell us once. I did tell you guys that before? Yeah. Okay, well, you can you fake it for the radio. Okay. For the radio. okay. Roll, please. Drum roll, please. Here is Dinosaur Jr. off farm with pieces, guys. All right, so that was Dinosaur Jr., guys. What do you think? Good. They, we were all playing air guitar. We were air drumming. We were doing tons of stuff. Yep. And me. And you were, too. You're rocking out too. Do you want to pick your record next? So we thought all of us would do a record except except the liar. Oh, that's my name? You're calling me the liar? Well, you did lie at the beginning. Well, how did I lie at the beginning? Remember? Yeah, but still, I don't think I deserve the name liar. Fine. Damien. Okay, good. Okay, yeah. I'm not going to pick a record because, you know, I'm going to let you guys pick a record. And you guys are picking records. And so we still have to listen to your record, Holden, that you bought. Like, yes. Dorian, you bought that Dinosaur Jr. record with your money. So what do you think about this Dinosaur Jr. record? Good. Well, tell more than good. What did you like about it? He liked it a lot. He said it was good. Do you like his voice? Do you like the music? Do you like the music. The... Yeah? You like yeah. how it's heavy? You like guitar rock, right? Yeah. yeah he what likes your... a lot of guitar and drumming. You know what would be good right now? Actually, we should let people know what your favorite bands are, so that way they'll know, like, oh, this guy likes this stuff that I like, okay, or this guy likes something that I don't necessarily like, maybe their opinion about it won't be the same as mine. So, Dorian, what's your favorite band right now? Um, Mama. Peter Peter. Peter. Um, no, it's not. I wouldn't say Dancer Junior. It's Queen, right? No. No, really. You've been listening to a lot of Queen lately. I thought. Mm, no, like. Flaming Groovies. Yeah. You like Flaming Groovies? Still, that's your favorite. Wow, Dorian loves the song "Slow Death" by the Flaming Groovies. That's his jam. He does love that a lot. And Holden, what is your favorite music artist songs at the moment? What are you feeling? My favorite artist is you. Oh my gosh, that's really flattering, buddy. Thank you. Oh, that's a picture of you, yes, on Mommy's computer. But what's your favorite 
What's your favorite uh, non-daddy music these days? Um, the 21 Pilots. Yeah? You like the new one? Or not yeah. as much? Yeah. No, actually, I don't really like their new one, but their old ones weren't the best, but they weren't the worst. Okay. Yeah. I say that a lot. Yeah, you do say that a lot. You do, you do, uh, you like to hedge your bets on these music things. You don't want to take a definitive stand on 21 Pilots or not, right? Yeah. You have listened to, we have listened to it a lot. And Camden, what's your favorite music these days? Moana still? Trolls. The Troll soundtrack. He loves the Troll soundtrack. He loves the Troll soundtrack. He's gonna marry it. Uh, he might, but he, he, might. he can't. If I could marry a soundtrack, Moana soundtrack would definitely be one of my top choices to marry. No, you don't think? He All right. Well, now he Camden wish. wants to jump ahead. It was supposed to be you going next, Holden, and we were going to hear your record. Yeah, but I gave it to Camden. Cammy, 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 that is you. Yeah, that's me. Oh, we're just looking at old pictures. All right, here it is. Here is the grinder with a song called Spider Man. All right. How do you like it? Tell us in the comments about all the records that you liked from and the ones where we've put on. And that's there'll be one record. more, which is, that's my pick. Oh, that's my next. So, that's the record you picked. Yeah, buddy. So what do you think? Did you like this song? A, so do you, what, is that a yes? I can't understand. Would you had Yes, do you like the song? He liked it because it said Spider-Man a lot. He, he, he liked it because it said Spider-Man a lot. He was a big fan of Spider-Man. Yeah, and there's a spider up there on my on my thing, too. How do you like it, Dorian? Word. Good. Dorian liked it, too. Okay, now we are getting towards the end of our first episode. Well, technically our second episode. We recorded another episode that got what erased. It got deleted. It got deleted. But the first episode... It was good, you know? Yeah. It was good. We'll do it again. But this one I think is better. Yeah, this is a lot better because the last one we were struggling with, like, knocking down stuff. And we're in a different room, and if you knock down stuff, you'll get in a lot of trouble. So <laughs> the other room, if trouble. you knock down stuff, you wouldn't get as as in much trouble. <laughs> no one's going to get in trouble for knocking down anything. Yeah, Dad, but you have, like, a baseball bat or barbed wire. Whoa, speaking of falling, are you okay, Cam? <laughs> Cam just fell off a chair. <laughs> Luckily, not, not into the barbed wire brat baseball bat. But that's locked up. It's yeah, not just hanging loose. Still. It's dangerous. Yeah, I, I'm, that's why it's high up in the air. Whoa, whoa. Yeah, but that just makes it more dangerous. Because if it falls on someone. Cam's all worked up now. He's moshing around ever since that punk song he just heard. Yeah. Grinder makes Cam go crazy with, with moshing. Okay, shall we listen to your record now, Holden? Yes. Okay, Holden, this is a, this is very interesting, this record, because this is something where you, like, you it's picked this record out yourself, and why did you pick this record out? The record in question, it by the way. It just looked funny on the logo, so. Okay, if anyone is familiar with this band, the band is called 1910 Fruit Gum Company. They are a band on Buddha Records, a popular 60s band. I heard they were actually, like, people were really scared of them in the 60s. They were really like, tough guys. I don't know. Okay, so given that the people were scared of these guys and they were so wild, what kind of music do you think this is going to be? Rock. I don't know. Rock, rock, rock. You're rock. picturing something really heavy, right? Yeah. 
Okay. Punk rock. Punk rock? Okay, let's see what you guys bought yourselves that day. Sorry. Drum roll, please. So you're rolling. One. All right, so what do you think of that record? Now it's done, Holden. Yeah, that was good. I th kind of thought it sounded like jazz, sort of. You thought it sounded like jazz music? Well, ultimately, all rock and roll and pop music is based out of jazz and the blues. Like, it's based out of African-American influence. So, you're right. That music did have subtle jazz influences, but that didn't sound like jazz. It didn't sound like what your Zeta listens to in the car, right? No, it sounded like, well, hmm. A little bit, you think? Well, tiny bit, maybe, like... Okay, well, that's actually a type of music that you would call bubblegum pop. Is that why they named themselves after, like, a bubblegum thing? No, it's funny. They, they, I don't even think they even knew it was going to be called bubblegum, bubblegum pop. It didn't really start getting called bubblegum pop till after the fact. But that was just, like, popular music, and it was written for kids. They thought kids were going to really like it, and it was, like, really kind of catchy and poppy. Like, have you ever heard uh, the song... Um, there's, like, a lot of like great bubblegum pop songs right just like catchy bubblegum and, and i think they called it bubblegum because it's like disposable like you chew it and then throw it away you know once the flavor goes out of the song um but they are a band that has not gone away people still love that band because their music's so catchy dorian i'm gonna go out on a limb was that your favorite song out of the three songs we heard today dinosaur jr grinder and 1910 fruit gun company did you like them the best you gotta talk, buddy. Kid, yeah. they can't hear you nodding. You know what? I think I think you're a bit of a mod, or you're like a bit of a, a garage rocker. You know, because the stuff you seem to like, it's like you know, flaming groovies and what's up. So do you think you like? Do you think that you like that kind of music? You like that kind of stuff? He keeps you know what? nodding. You're like daddy. You know, like daddy likes that kind of stuff too. This is like, bubblegum music, though, is a very obscure genre. Like, it's not something that a lot of people know about and talk about. Like, it's definitely a, a genre for music nerds. And I mean that in a very positive way. Daddy's a music nerd. I embrace that. It's like people that love music? People that love music, but they also are, like, passionate about it. They want to find out all the weird little details. They want to find out, like, who played in what bands with who... You know, like what artists influence which artists, you know, like just... And so on and so on. And so on and so on, you know. This show, guys, is really kind of a music nerd show that you guys have started. I guess, yeah. Yeah? Well, this was our first episode. Was it fun? Yeah. So we're going to try and do more? Yeah. What made you guys want to do this podcast? Uh, we were just listening to podcasts one time, going home from uh, Bo a trip to Boston... And uh, we're like, we should make our own. And, like, all of the good ideas, maybe, are taken. And then I thought of a good idea, listening to records. Yep. And, well, here we are. And here we are. What an amazing idea, buddy. Uh, so that's it. I'm going to say goodbye as bye. Bye. But wait. Tell us in the comments if you like the records or not. And you could tell us in the comments... Uh, like, if you want a special record on our thing. Yeah, if you want to check your one. choice. Absolutely. 
And uh, we have an email address they can send us emails to still, right? Yep. Robot of, of all, all robots robot. at gmail.com. So, robot of, of all, all robots at gmail.com. Yeah, so you can send us emails. Please, uh, this podcast will have its own channel very soon. Right now, it's still going to be living in Turned Out of Punk. Uh, just while people learn about it, but then it's going to have its own channel and all these episodes are going to be... And then we can have guests, too. You guys can have your friends on the show eventually, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. And is that it for today? Yep. Wait, do you want to say goodbye, Dory? Bye. Do you want to say goodbye, Kimmy? Bye. 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 I host a podcast called Turn Out a Punk. This is my co-host, Chris O'Toole. We do a podcast together called Turn Out a Punk Footnotes. On this podcast, I punish my musical heroes about how they got into punk music. I've had Jay and Lou on before, but tonight I get to interview Murph. Woo! Yeah. Woo! Woo! And Jay and Lou, will be here too. But uh, Chris... We've had some history with uh, J.M. Right? Yeah, but I didn't, uh, I hadn't met them until this moment ago, no? No, you just met them, but in podcast sense, right? Yeah. Oh, you got <laughs> Where's here? Where's here? Please run the stage first!
Yeah, I mean, the first shows were in Greenfield at the Grange. They were like locally put on shows, and I got to see a lot of the really good Boston bands. I would go to all the Deep Blue gigs, and then I started playing a band all the way to Jury when I was in high school, which was just kind of like a bad boy band. It wasn't really a fast band, it was pretty, pretty slow. And I was like the youngest guy. I was in high school, I, was, I think I was 17, and everybody else was in college. So I felt really cool being in a band with a bunch of college kids. What were the influences on you that song? I mean, a lot of different stuff, different periods, like the birthday party, we used to listen to a lot when we were like our first European tour. Um, the stage, it was all just thrash, a lot of just, you know, different thrash, seven seconds.
Jay did not call me, for the record. 
like, oh yeah, we got all well, the wine I thought you was great. It's too bad you couldn't come. Like, Why did you fucking call me? Jesus, he went by himself. No, he went with Scott Hamlin, that man. He went with our bass player. Have to get him out here to clear this up. I don't know. I could be wrong. Jay's usually Those are two of your best songs um, 
for in Dinosaur ever on the last Dinosaur record. I think they're incredible songs. And I want to know what was your approach in writing those songs? Did your approach change on the last record to other Dinosaur songs, contribution-wise? Uh, as far as Dinosaur goes, I always come up with, I always try to think of something I haven't done when I, when I contribute to a Dinosaur Junior record. So, uh, in this particular record, I thought, man, I'd love to hear Jay play bass on one of my songs. So I said, Jay, will you play bass on this song? And I knew he would say yes, and he did. And there's a song left and right, we're going to play it tonight. Um, so, but that was a concept I had. I was like, oh, I want Jay to play bass on the song, and I know he's, I know he's up for it, you know, because we're, I don't know. It was a good, that last record that we did, it was a pretty, it was a nice experience. We had a, it was a pretty chill, for lack of a better word, session. But then the other song that I did for that record, I was like, I want to have it do a dinosaur junior song where there's a bunch of acoustic guitars strumming in it. <laughs> that was the concept. <laughs> and I did, and I did. Well, that's kind of like also something I wanted to ask you about, which is like, how have you, you've done so much stuff, you've done such a variety of, of music, you know, how do you keep finding new, fresh approaches? Because you never really do the same thing twice. Uh, music is incredible. There are so many different ways to approach it. All, all you have to do is, I mean, <laughs> it's just so easy to be inspired by things, I find, you know, there's just so many, you know, that's like when people come up to me and say, you know, people like my age or whatever, or people who are obsessed with 90s music, man, the 90s were the best, everything sucks now, like, you got your fucking hat up your ass, it's because you don't listen to things, you're not fucking going on the band camp and fucking trying to find shit, you're not doing the work that young people do to find music that they relate to. I mean, it's not that hard. There's like, you just scratch the surface at any time, any era, any year. You just scratch the surface a little bit, and there's people making amazing fucking art and music all the time. Woo! Woo! And that is inspiring to me. That, that makes me go like, well, you know, I, it makes me restless. It makes me feel like, fuck, I haven't done anything good yet. I want to do something good before I die. Really? You don't think you've done anything good? No, absolutely not. It all sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta finally fucking one day do something good! That's Dude, all. You, I've broken this down before, but you think about Lou, okay, Deep Blue, one of the defining hardcore bands for like fast, blistering, fast American hardcore. Dinosaur Jr., one of the defining bands of American rock and roll. Sebado, the band that invents lo-fi kind of indie rock music and gives us the song, and he, like, gives us the titular indie rock anthem. And then also then, and then you do what the kids soundtrack, and that's a soundtrack that without like that defines like a whole generation of people and kids. So like you know, if you're not going to say you did something good, I'll say it for you. You did some good stuff, buddy. Thank you. Thank you very much. A couple tracks. I, I am entitled. I can think that everything I do sucks. That's just the way it is. I love it when I do it. I love the moment that I do it. I love the experience of creating. But you know, once you put it out and you release it into the world, it sucks. <laughs> okay, That's how I feel about it. It's like I can't go back to any of that shit. I have to be like, oh my god, I gotta do something good. This well, time. next time I'm gonna do something good. Next time. Well, speaking of next time, if they were to make a Judgment Night 2 soundtrack and Sebado was invited to be on it, what rapper would you have chosen? 
Uh, I don't know that I don't know his name, but he was a kid who rapped for poor righteous teachers. No, oh, that would have been sick. You know, they wore backpacks. Yeah. You ever see that band? Yeah. He's super fast. They were from Philadelphia. That would have been awesome. That I don't know his name. Teacher. What was his name? I, I don't remember, but I know they were poor righteous teachers. Yeah, they're great. Anyway. All right. Thank you, Lou. Please, everyone, welcome to the stage. One of my favorite people to interview, even though I don't think he'd say the same thing, Jay Maskin! <laughs> and if one doesn't show up, he just, he just stays backstage. <laughs> it's okay. I can, I can tell stories until he comes out on stage, because uh, he's coming. Thanks so much for humoring me on my birthday wish. Oh, <laughs> um, this is a huge thrill because you, Dinosaur Jr. was like one of the first bands I ever got into when I started getting into music myself. I never believed that. Though. You don't believe that? <laughs> Why not? Jay, Jay doesn't remember this, but there's this moment at Massey Hall when Dinosaur Jr. played Massey Hall and I'm watching, was it June, the band that played just before you from Seattle? June? June. June, yeah. I'm watching June and I look over to the backstage door and I see through one of the little porthole windows, Jay's face looking out into the crowd and he looks right at me, looking right in the fucking eye. And he waves. <laughs> and that was his way of being like, you know what, kid? See you in a couple years. We're gonna share the stage sometime. Do you remember when that happened? Oh yes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that, that was a big moment for me. Oh um, no, this. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why I wanted to do this so badly. I was like, this would be so fun. <laughs> um. I kind of always want to talk to you guys because I think the thing that's awesome is that you guys never stopped repping punk in some way. You talked about it, you know, and I think you embody it in the music that you play. And I just kind of want to know if that genre, what you think it means to you at this day, 2018. Do you think it has any relevance? You know, obviously you're still playing with bands that call themselves punk bands. I mean, we're touring with Easy Action, which is a negative approach. And the other night, Tesco Beans came out and they did a song. And it's, it's awesome. Yeah, I know. Are you going to have someone from Easy to come out tonight? Who's that? <laughs> Don't worry about it. <laughs> um, well, I'm not going to keep you guys too much longer because you guys got to play the show. <laughs> but. I want to say, on behalf of myself and everyone here, thank you guys for doing all this amazing music and making it safe for bands to kind of be experimental and do their own things and to carve their own paths and rock out. All right. So we had Tesco B, you know, there the other night. Yes. And I felt bad because we were like, we had to sit through the entire show of us 
to play, you know, two weeks for anus and with us. But, I don't know, you thought it was mean to make the guy sit there for a whole show and then play a song? You know, you know, you know, you know what's mean? When you tell someone, hey, you're going to come out and do a song with us tonight, and they're like, oh, awesome. It's like, just, just stand by the by my amp so I can make eye contact with you and I'll give you a signal when you should come out and go on stage and I'm like okay and then you finish the set you walk out about you and then you give him the signal to go out on stage when you're leaving the stage <laughs> also Tesco Tesco on Instagram posts a picture of your bobblehead so I think it's a fan I think also it's amazing once you guys, once Dutcher Jr. came out, I think it made it safe for a lot of hardcore bands to start finding their other sides musically. You know, a lot of people I've had on this podcast uh, have talked about how influential Dinosaur was, you know, and it being like, yo, you guys can play different kinds of music, you can play slow, you can play soft. I think the, the hardcore bands we listened to made it safe for us. Did you guys, did you guys like Fugazi? You know the answer to that. <laughs> they were very, very, very good. <laughs> All right, that's it. I'm not going to force you to do this anymore. Thank you. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.